Chance. Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. And we're back. Welcome, guys and gals, to the No Chance Radio Show, episode 93, the NPR of Streetwear, your spark notes to all things pop culture and everything it has to offer. As always, your host, Ryan, and beside me, I always have... Mel, what's up, y'all? What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 93. Oh, man. I don't even know where to start anymore with these episodes. There's just been so much going on. Uh, Last week, we talked about how we were having a terrible week prior (laughs) to that. Um, But this week has uh, not gotten any better. I would say first and foremost, guys, I... I appreciate every listen. I appreciate everyone that has DM'd us with any positive or negative feedback. I'm always down for the negative feedback. That shit is what builds character, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Um, But yeah, I I can't thank you guys enough for the support over the past couple of years. The listens have skyrocketed. The support has skyrocketed. And um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, Me and my entire team would like to say thank you. These episodes are fun regardless if anybody listens. So it's nice to have people on the other end of this shit. (laughs) But on another note. And you know how we start every episode. I got to ask you what's going on. How are you? How are things? Can you tell the people that random DM that you got the other day about that you just got randomly about the podcast? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it was it was really funny. It was really funny. Um, first of all, shout out to everyone who either follows us personally or the podcast itself. We appreciate any follow and feedback. Yeah, y'all yeah. go follow Mel. Yeah, if you're <laughs> listening to this, I, I, well, I don't do it anymore. I used to, but go follow her. You can find her through the No Chance podcast. You can find her through my, uh, my Instagram, the pages Instagram, whatever. Go follow her. Okay, book up. So I got a DM Saturday morning um, after episode 92 dropped. Um, shout out to at Roman.god. Thanks for. DMing me and supporting us. Um, he DM'd me saying, what happened to the other half of NCR? There used to be another guy as well as yourself. Still loving the podcast. Just curious is all. Um, we don't get questions yeah. as often as you think we would. But for those of you that do send feedback and, and questions and stuff, shout out to you guys. We haven't seen Nate in a minute. You know, shout out to Nate. He's just taking on other creative endeavors right now. Um, but we, we like to, to switch it up. We've had uh, Melanie on for a couple episodes now. Uh, we've had Marco. Shout out to Marco. I'm just going to call him Marco the YouTuber now, just so you guys <laughs> can uh, can get uh, uh, familiar with him. Um, but we always try to switch it up, man. Season two has been one of those seasons where not only do we sound better, but we want to switch up perspectives, switch up um, opinions and things of that nature. Obviously... You hear my voice <laughs> more than others, um, so maybe we're not really switching up opinions <laughs> as much as we want to. Um, but we're definitely trying new things, trying uh, to be more creative, and just uh, trying to get outside of our box. And uh, he will potentially be back. We'll see soon. Um, but let's get into this week's topics. I know that there hasn't been much shit going on in this world as. You all know the streetwear world is similar to earthquakes here in California. That They don't happen often, but when they do, they're pretty impactful. And we have a lot of shit to talk about. But this is one of those weeks where we have 
Not much to talk about, I'd say, in the world of streetwear. But I wanted to get more into, you know, who we are, you know, and what we like. And one of my one of the things that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, being on a podcast now, and I'm I'm just talking to you specifically, Mel, uh, being on a podcast now, um, staying up to date with what's happening in this industry. Obviously, it's something that um, I've come to learn more about the more that I've um, grown to talk about it. It's always been my favorite thing to research brands. I used to be surfing on the forums heavy from day one. Um, do you still watch? Like, I mean, do you outside of the podcast, do you find yourself like watching like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to use like complex shows as an example. Do you like listen to like the hype beast radio shows uh, even more frequently? Like it's almost like, like, you know, exercising, you know what I mean? Like, have you, have you found yourself doing that a lot more? Um, recently, no. When I first started being on the podcast, I would do that. I would listen to a lot of Jeff Staples business of hype um, episodes just to kind of hear how he speaks and how his, um, his guests always speak. Yeah. But recently, um, I would say my engagement with like, um, live podcasts or just listen to episodes is it stayed the same but definitely I used to dig a lot deeper before um, I still try and keep up to date it's just life happens and you know I always, I'm always busy so sometimes I don't have time to sit down and watch the latest like celebrity shopping or what see like secret yeah. shopping whatever you know it's funny and um, as we watch uh, complex is full size run in the background. <laughs> Shout out to those dudes. Um, I feel like watching some of these shows, whether it's the full size run, um, there's Joe LaPuma and complex sneaker shopping. Um, there's, there's a couple other shows like, uh, that are very like sneaker debate based, even podcasts, business of hype, high Snobiety has, uh, some good ones. Mm -hmm. But for me, like listening to a variety of different, what I guess you want to call them talking head shows. I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's good. Um, it's, it's very similar to how ESPN from our back to back to back. It's always different. It's basically different talking head shows and they're mm -hmm. always covering the same topics in like a roundabout fashion in the same way that we do this podcast. So I think being able to listen to different perspectives as rash as they are sometimes <laughs> on these shows. Um, it is really interesting. Uh, or it's not, I mean, well, I wouldn't say interesting, but it is important to be able to digest that in a way where it doesn't affect your opinion, but it's, it's more of just informative. Mm -hmm. So I use them as in a really whack way as exercises to be like, Oh shit. Like I didn't know that about that brand. I didn't know that person had that connection. And also like, they have guests that, I mean, at some point in my life, I would love to have on our show, but they have guests that have really been with this industry, the streetwear world, the sneaker industry from day one. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to hear some of these like behind the scenes stories that you would have never heard of. Um, but yeah, as we continue to watch this full size run show, I think this is one of my, one of my current favorites. <laughs> it's like, awkwardly painful but it's like really funny in like a really awkward way um yeah so shout out to uh full size run the complex show this is not a plug they're not paying us to do this uh but shout out to them for entertaining us um 
Let's talk about something a little bit more general that uh, I started to think about as of recently. Um, I was at the mall the other day. Yeah, I was I was at the wow. mall, and I I went in there. This is one of my childhood malls, and I've been I've been been going there since I was a kid. But I went in there with the intention of buying something, and as I was like, obviously my stupid ass parked on the opposite side of the mall of where the store that I was trying to go to <laughs> was. So I literally had to walk through the whole mall. You know, I got a pretzel and some Mrs. Fields cookies <laughs> and shit. Um, but I walked through it, got to the store that I that I was was looking for um don't judge me but it was the zoomies and bought whatever i had to do walked all the way back and just left uh, one of the things that i was thinking is you know a lot of listeners here even if you live in like you know mid middle america states um i think it's still prevalent out in in the east coast depending on which met- metropolitan areas you live in but when's the last time you've been to a mall I went over the weekend, but you know me, I camp out for shoes, so it's different. And that's what I kind of wanted to get to. And I think, you know, there's always this talk about the resurgence of brick and mortar retail shops. Do you think a mall could survive without something that is as popular without, you know, like streetwear? Shoe releases, streetwear? Yeah, I think so. I don't think the ecosystem of a mall is dependent strictly on clothing or shoes. There's other things in the mall, like look at Sears, it's been there forever. What about for our community? Like, I obviously don't see people shopping there for the newest releases. Mm -hmm. Sneaker releases are more general if they're being sold at malls. Um, But do you think that aspect could potentially turn around the shopping experience of a mall if say a shop like who's a more general streetwear store that that you know maybe like um a huff mm-hmm. a hundreds a diamond supply uh who else even some of these more like boutique type shops what if shops like like the stash like a true decide to go into a mall do you think expanding out not in terms of just brick and mortar stores but into these shopping plazas these shopping centers could in fact you know benefit the the community benefit when i say the community i mean like our community yeah it could um it's interesting though because for me when i see a store like that in a mall it makes me not want to walk in does it really i don't know why like i kind of like scoping out or like having to go out of my way to go to like undefeated or like the hundreds before you know because it's away from everything yeah it's like not the most convenient but when you get there it's worth the trip Mm. when you're in a mall and you see like a stussy or whatever like it's kind of just like do i want to go in there is it even worth it i just feel like it's not like the experience you get in a mall is not the same as just being on hate or on melrose that's a good point and um there's actually one incident where I was in Hawaii recently and in one of the larger shopping malls in uh, in Honolulu, uh, the main island there, there was a Stussy and that was the first thing I walked into. So it, di- it didn't deter me, but obviously Stussy stores are like kind of like um, one in a million at this point, mm-hmm. especially for, for where we are. But I think that sort of that approach of, of having stores like that in shopping centers could definitely start to bring in 
the crowd that spends the money mm-hmm. to make stores like that pop in. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't until rappers started rapping about stores like Barney's and Neiman Marcus and shit of where they get the designer for other people to be like, oh shit, I can get that shit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with this um, this thing that just came up recently, the uh, union and company, right? Union and company collaboration with, with Nordstrom. Nordstrom is a department store. I'm, I'm going to assume that it's everywhere in the country, but I'll say for the most part that it's mostly in in malls and kind of separate from the actual like if it's in like a shopping center it's its own it's its own facility or Mm -hmm. whatever but uh nordstrom is kind of like a department store for the most part it's a men's and women's fashion department store they sell i couldn't even think of the brands i mean last time i went in there they had things like I don't know, Comme des Garçons, like little heart shoes. So like Nike and Vans and uh, like nudies and shit like that. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a very special selection of like streetwear and with a touch of high fashion, but enough for like the general tourist consumer, um, any general shopper that just needs something quick. They can go in there and always have a piece of fashion. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And um, so as of recently, Union, and this is a, uh, a famous company based out of Los Angeles, most notably known to be based out of Los Angeles now. Um, they house brands that are, I mean, up and coming and also some of the best brands out right now. Things like um, Visfim, Fear of God, um, their own house brand is amazing. Like they do amazing stuff. And Chris Gibbs, the owner, decided to do a collaboration with Nordstrom but a very specific type of collaboration. It wasn't just, oh, this is a Union and Nordstrom collaborative effort um, because Nordstrom doesn't really have anything to offer in that space of our brand is worth something. Mm -hmm. It's more in the sense of our space is worth something. And to do a collaboration that takes over a majority of their space, their retail space, I think is the approach that he took for this specific collaboration. And this collaboration consisted of what? 13 different brands. Yeah. Right. In total. What was that? Um, Fear of God. uh, Awake. Awake. Jordan brand. It had um, Born and Raised. Cactus Plant Flea Market, and the list goes on. And the great thing about this was that it exposed people to brands that weren't traditionally exposed to them. Um, And this predominantly, you know, when I say that, it means more often than not, you know, the general consumer, you know, people that don't go to the boutique shops in Los Angeles or New York and just are general shoppers. But they know enough, you know, they see it and they may have seen the name before. They may have seen their favorite rapper or artist wearing that, wearing that piece before. But I think it's just an interesting approach to exposing the world to this industry. Um, what do you think his intention was behind collaborating other than, you know, taking up a larger retail space in some of these larger metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. But what do you think his intention was behind doing a collaborative project with 13 brands with someone like Nordstrom? 
I think his intention was to just spread more awareness for all these brands. Um, in the article, it was described as 13 brands that should be on your radar. Mm. Some of them, like, I haven't really, like, knew about before. So, you know, he's just kind of trying to elevate his name to help other people out, as we talked about before. Um, also, like, Nordstrom, they are very similar to a union in terms of who they like how they retail it's mainly you use the Nordstrom name to kind of just sell other brands that's how union is structured except union does have its own brand like a house brand itself Um, it's very interesting it sounds like it was very personalized and curated by the VP and Chris Gibbs themselves Mm -hmm. Um, it's very interesting to see how Nordstrom is playing into streetwear now. Like, I get it. Like, high fashion, it's like, that's the hype right now. High fashion is considered, quote-unquote, streetwear currently. It wasn't before. So to have a space as big as Nordstrom in, like, what, 10 different locations, that's pretty big. You know, there's, like, there's one location in Texas that I was surprised that's going to have this collab. Yeah, and you think about that because when you say, like, brands like Cactus Plant Flea Market, you say brands like Awake, like, and I want to get into this conversation about, you know, l- l- availability and limited um, limitedness mm-hmm. in a second. But brands like that are only sold in maybe, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, five places in the world. Multitude of places in like a New York and maybe like LA and Japan. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And for them to say like, these are the brands you should be looking out for. Let's place them throughout the entire country. It almost is like a two-sided coin because I look at it as one is like, some of these brands don't care to be in Nordstrom. They don't care to be in Texas at a shopping mall. They don't care to, you know, have large quantities where it's not beneficial to them to for, for making money, which is a lot of uh, boutique brands like... Um, it's kind of like their focus, right? It's like, no, I don't want to go into a, a, a huge retail space because that isn't direct to consumer the way that we are traditionally doing it, right? Instagram yeah. posts, this is what's on our web store, go buy it. And that's no middleman, you know? So it does intrigue me on, on especially like a brand like Cactus Plant Flea Market. That's the one that surprised me the most because not only is that a brand that still is super underwhelming, super under the radar, even after some of the biggest, like one of the biggest shoe releases that that went under the radar Mm -hmm. and then being worn by one of the, the the biggest fashion icons for real, like it's still, I mean, not to say it in a mean way, it's still nothing. Mm -hmm. And it just really surprises me that they would want to be a part of this they would want to be part of this i'm going to just call it a network of of retail operations um and so that brings up the question of limitedness and availability Mm -hmm. does that deter us from some of these brands even though who said it complex was that complex that said in the article high snob even though high snob says these are the 13 brands you should be looking out for even though these 13 brands are brands that we already know about and know what they are are doing and what they have been doing for the past year or so does it does something like this deter you know there's some like streetwear righteous people that if they go retail if they go big box stores i don't want it anymore because mm-hmm. now it's not limited now it's not specialized and and for me 
Now, the next dude who just goes into Nordstrom, just buys it. It's not worth anything anything to me. Do you think that would deter people? Yeah, but it would be like 20% of the population, maybe. It's very slim. I would say so. I'd say the importance lies in obviously like how good the collection is, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a sucky collection, if if none of the pieces are really attractive to people, then it doesn't really matter if it's in these stores. You know what I mean? But if it's something that's really hyped up, if Supreme, in the way that they 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 do um, outside retailing in like Dover streets, right? If if they had just said like, hey Chris, let's be let us be a part of your operation let us sell box logos in 13 different store there was a 13 how many different i think 10 stores in 10 different nordstroms across the across the country would people no longer be into it if it's something that people highly regard something that people like pay arm and limb for do you think people would be over it just off of a, a simple operation like that for Supreme, no. I think the hype would still be there and that would cause even more people to go out and get it. Just how um, they did their whole Union Jordan collab. Like, I think they released it twice. Like, I think once at Nike and once at Union or mm. whatever. Or whatever, whatever it happened. Like, that was still a big thing. Okay. So, I think depending on how big the hype is behind the collection or what you're releasing or the brand that you're connecting yourself with that's going to bring more buzz in. And, you know, even though there, it's more availability than normal, that's still 10 stores. That's still like, what, 100 or whatever, how many stores aren't getting them in the country. It's okay. still pretty limited. It's still pre- pretty limited. Let's talk about this one then, because this was one that I I was able to experience the, the, the peaks and valleys of this particular release. So I'd say about 2000... 16 2017 um guess vintage striped shirts started to become really really popular mm-hmm. right people were thrifting them round two blew the shit out of them um and it was one of those shirts that was like you could thrift for a dollar and you could flip for almost 150 200 right mm-hmm. And so I remember that being like a very big popular fad at the time, uh, vintage in general. And then ASAP Rocky, free ASAP Rocky, <laughs> decided to do a collaboration with Guess, right? Mm-hmm. And as we all know, like we know that here downtown San Francisco, there is a Guess flagship store in our mall. There's Guess flagship stores in outlet malls. They're in shopping centers. And I remember looking at the list of you know, places that, that were releasing this first first ever ASAP Rocky collaboration for the guest stripe tees was like every guest flagship store, right? So I go there and I go to the store, right? We're waiting outside of the mall. It's the first time I've been to a release in a long time. Right when the doors open, everyone's running, running straight to the guest store. That's never happened before. Nobody's ever <laughs> running to the guest store, right? But we're all running to the guest store. We're all in line. People are pulling shirts off mannequins. Um, there's nothing left, blah, blah, blah. Of course, I get what I get, um, but nothing left. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then I think about it. I'm like, damn, like, like this is going to, this is, this is going to be worth something. This is a, this is amazing. Like whatever I had, what I had, I was going to sell it. I sold it for a lot more than like a lot more than I ever thought I was going to make of it. And so fast forward, maybe 
I want to say a year, right? Mm-hmm. Guesses, guest striped tees are still still popping. I go into a guest striped or not. I go into a guest flagship store in Miami. I walk in there. Um, I think the ASAP Rocky, the second rendition of it, they do did some new colors, had released again. And uh, I walk into the guest the guest store. I think I was, I don't think I was trying to use a bathroom or anything, but I just went in there, whatever, uh-huh. right? And the first table being advertised is all of the new ASAP Rocky guest shit. All the sizes, all the striped colorways, and some of the colorways better than the first collection, but everything was there, right? I go into a mall, maybe about couple miles away same store everything was there right Mm -hmm. so there's something about that there's something about maybe it's trend you know maybe it's it's the the fad of the moment but there's something about that accessibility aspect there's something about that being too available being easy to get that turns people off you know because stripe guest stripe shirts are still being sold for a hundred something plus at, you know, these vintage stores because, and they're the same colors as some of the ones that are being sold at the guest store, but what's the difference? You know, what is the innate difference between the two? I think people just don't know, you know, like they don't know that they're at these stores that, or they don't know. They just don't know the value of it because whoever thought guests would be like a hundred plus dollars no one yeah i know so it's surprising to 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 not only walk into these shopping centers to walk into these malls and see these shirts there but to go to a thrift store or no, not a thrift store i'd say like a secondhand store round two for example in, in los angeles to go in there and see a guest stripe shirt not the ones that are done in this collaboration but could look exactly the same but are mm-hmm. from like the 80s and 90s going for double triple the price mm-hmm. I don't I don't know the difference. And that's when that's why when we talk about this union collaboration with with a store like Nordstrom being sold at 10 different places, eventually setting the example for other brands to collaborate with them and being like, yo, we love your retail space. You guys are a reputable name. Not so much anymore, but you guys are a reputable name. Let us sell our stuff in your retail spaces. I feel like it could have eventually be looked at as signing your life away. <laughs> yeah, it could be in in a in a in a very very minuscule way. I don't I don't if I was a brand and and I think it depends on what your objective is as a brand. You know, you're a new brand. What do you want to do? Do you want to go D to C and sell it on Instagram through that? Do you want to be in retail stores and have a large name across the country across the world? Or do you want to just simply be sold out of a boutique store and and make that connection with the consumers? I think you have to know where you want to be before you decide how you sell your shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does bring up a good question of the importance of being in a store like this. And what is it? What do you think this means for for brands that are looking at this and being like, damn, like this makes Nordstrom kind of cool. Like what I want to be there. I want to be I want to have this type of experience. Yeah, I think for brands, um, for these brands in particular, I think they're looking at more as a business business strategy. Because if you think about it, some of these brands you can only get online or even yeah. like only Dover Street. And even Dover Street is kind of like a very like small scale Nordstrom. You can't you even buy it. that online, like to be honest. You know? Yeah. And 
for these for some of these brands like you don't you can't get rude on like at like a rude store or whatever this is you true. can't walk into a cactus plant store that doesn't exist so for these brands to collaborate and to agree to be sold at Nordstrom I think it's good for them to get their name out there and to just earn a quick buck and maybe like they'll look at this as okay let's see how well we do here until September and if we make like x amount of money that we wanted to make maybe now we have enough people who followed us from this so we can make our own store in the future Mm, good point. Good point. A lot of people use that as a transition to actual brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a very, uh, very unique way of looking at it. You know what? I also think of it as I think it's a true testament of do people really fuck with our brand? Mm-hmm. You know, like there are some people and, you know, of the 13 brands, some of them are probably saying like, OK, I know we do good for our customers. And some sometimes people will get ahead of themselves and be like, you know, like we love our core group, but let, let's try to see what else is out there. You know, like and that's typically what fucks people up is like trying to get too big too fast and not being about the core community that supports you generally like supports you specifically so thinking about it from the standpoint of being a brand saying okay let's let's just use an example let's say like i have 10k followers i'm doing amazing sales on instagram i'm selling out of everything um but let's see if we can scale up you know let's not increase the quantity within our website, let's increase the diversity of where we're selling. Mm. So let's sell in a Nordstrom, let's sell in a Dover Street, um, let's sell over here. Then what tends to happen in that situation, which I mean, it doesn't always happen, but it can, is you start to get fragmented in regards to who your audience is. Mm. And that's why people like, um, this was an issue with uh, Thrasher magazine, uh, the skateboard magazine, uh, really popular based out of San Francisco. They they were selling the like the Thrasher skateboard hoodies that were super popular um, maybe about a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but they're being sold everywhere in places that weren't your traditional skate shops. They're, they're being sold in random boutique stores that um, somehow had accounts or something like that. And then you started to see people and, you know, this is my own pet peeve about skateboard shit, but they started to see people that didn't skate wearing their brand. And it's not like they're, they were sending them that, right? Like, I think there was a, uh, a tweet that, or that I didn't, I think it was maybe an Instagram announcement they had put out about Justin Bieber wearing one of their sweatshirts and how now because of him, this brand is all like so popular (laughs) now. And then they, I think that they commented back like, Hey, like we can't control who wears our shit. We don't send them stuff to wear. Like they choose to wear it on their own accord. Um, But it, it does come down to like, okay, like, if you're a brand like them that really just doesn't give a fuck, it's mostly the people that support the brand that give a fuck. Like, no, you can't wear that. You're not part of this lifestyle or this culture. Yeah. But the brand itself doesn't give a fuck, right? They're they're making it to make money. It supports their operations. But some brands really do think of it as like, damn, our shit is fragmented. I don't need them wearing our stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a real thing. And um, that's always the tricky part about these malls. It's always a tricky part. And it makes me think like maybe it is if you're in a shopping center, if you're in a, a, a mall, I think it is all about just making money. 
Yeah. I think so. I think so. And it's a tricky, it's a, it's a def, it's definitely a tricky situation because a lot of people think that, and I mean, I'm just going to put it in hypothetical and act like we have a a brand, but you know, we're dealing with stashed, Mm -hmm. right? We, this is a store that we support. Um, it's San Francisco grown and we love it. We shop there all the time to be able to have an, uh, the opportunity to do a collaborative t-shirt in that space is amazing, right? That's awesome. Um, if you guys are there, make sure you guys go buy that. (laughs) But outside of that, say they had, say they say a store, like what's a more general store here in San Francisco. I don't know. Um, Okay, we have a we have a Bloomingdale's, a Nordstrom Bloomingdale's, right? Say they yeah. wanted to host us. Say they said, "Hey, you guys want to do a um, a Nordstrom collaboration? You guys want to release? You guys want to put together some graphics and we'll we'll release them all across the country? That would be awesome, mm-hmm. right? That would be amazing. But in my head, when I really think about what our purpose is in being about building up our community first, building up San Francisco first, I don't think I would want that. I wouldn't either. I don't think I would want my shirt being sold all across the country if what my purpose of making the shirt is to bring awareness to those, I mean, that are doing it in San Francisco. Yeah. If, okay, if outside of our brand, say you had your own personal brand, right? Remember we used to talk about this brand called Ivory that we (laughs) wanted to do that would never ever fucking happen. Um, what What if you, what if you were running that brand? And, and a brand like Nordstrom approaches you and says like, hey, we'd like to have your brand. We want to buy this X amount of pieces. You make X amount of dollars. If nobody buys it, you know, you have to pay us back for this amount. Would you do that? For that brand? Yeah, I would. Why? Um, just because our target audience compared to like our podcast is so different. I think just because of how we operate as a business right now, we're all about the community. We're all about like Bay Area bread because we're born and raised here. Exactly. We want to start from the ground up, like what you said. So of course, like when it comes to something like this, I don't mind us being so small because everyone who does support us, it's meaningful. But when it comes to like a, like a clothing brand, all you want to do is get your message out there and make money. So mm. if it was for Ivory, like I forgot like what we even it stood for, but whatever <laughs> it was, like if, if a big brand came to me and said, Hey, I want to collab with you. Hell yeah, I'll do it. But if, when it comes to like no chance as a podcast that like, let me step back and think about it to see if that actually matches like what we talk about and what we support, because I also don't want to be like backed up behind someone that does not go through our core values as That's well. That's a good point. So you're saying if you were in the clothing game, you would, your, your approach is I want to make money. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm doing this. I love clothes and all that. I love, you know, being creative and having a message, but my intention for making this collection is to make money. Unlike brands. I mean, of course money's like a a part of it, but unlike brands like, like a Noah and awake, like Mm -hmm. the intention behind their brand, of course, like it becomes popular, but if it didn't, they'd still make it for the reasons why they make their shit. Um, it's funny because that same mindset 
in, in something that I learned recently was um, the same mindset that some that Mike Sherman of Chinatown Market created. Right, mm-hmm. you're in this for different reasons. He says he's in this to make money. You should see them that how fast they push out designs and and how quick they uh, quick to market they are with all of their shit because they need to capitalize on what is popular in the moment. Yeah. How do you feel in the moment, and are you willing to buy this shirt? about how you feel you know what i mean a week later you may be like damn it why did i buy that shirt but you still (laughs) bought that shirt you know and i would say in my case oh man this is a tough one definitely no chance stuff i'm i'm always super picky about it anyways you know about people like who i have on the, the podcast who you know puts their name next to the brand name things of that nature but i think if i did have my own brand outside of it man i i think i'd be the same way i think i honestly would my favorite show if you guys are ever like if you want to see the 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 um well, I mean, it's in the title, How to Make It in America. If you want to know how to make it in America as a brand owner, as a, you know, you want to start your own clothing brand, denim line, shoe, like design shoes, whatever, watch How to Make It in America on HBO. I mean, I think you could sign up for fucking 15 days free, but you could binge watch that whole shit in like two days. <laughs> watch that show. That is the epitome of doing it for yourself and fuck the man. <laughs> like that's literally what it is. Like I think in that show, they had the opportunity to, to sell their clothing line that they've worked so hard on. I think it was called crisp. They worked so hard on and their goal was to make money, mm-hmm. but that fell short of their primary. The primary reason why they decided to create a brand was to be in charge of their own life, you know, not work for anybody, work for themselves, have a purpose, things of that nature. So when an outside person wants to invest in their brand and say, Hey, I want to buy your brand. You guys will be like co-owners, but you'll use my name that I want to rename your brand. And I'm going to give you all this money. And the fact that they say no, it's amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not many people who are in this industry or, or, or start a brand think that when they get that opportunity to be in that, you know, big box retailer um, in in their their local skate shop or local boutique store, you, you wouldn't think ever think of saying no to that. But I think it comes down to the reasons why you want to start something, why you want to start a creative endeavor. And I think this even goes outside of, of clothing in general. I think this, this reflects onto any sort of creative endeavor that you do, even as graphic designers and photographers and videographers, we talk to our, to our artists about this a lot of the time and being like, know your worth, Mm -hmm. you know, like know, know that the, the effort and time and probably a lot of stress has gone into learning how to be creative and learn how to be creative could, you know, whether it's learning how to do graphic design, take photos, videography, whatever, like I just said, but that shit means something that shit costs money, you know, like not only does it cost money to have that type of equipment or educational tools, but it costs money to learn nowadays. Uh, YouTube university, 
essentially costs money because you have to have internet. <laughs> so <laughs> it does cost money. Um, but I, I guess, yeah, the, the silver lining on that is to know your worth. It just comes down to clothing brand owners or, or creatives in general. And sort of reflecting back on the union thing, I think just to play devil's advocate, a lot of these brands already know their worth. Yeah. You know, they know how hot they are on the streets. Everybody talks about these brands. Hence why Complex says these are the 13 brands you should know about. It's not the 13 brands that we just discovered in, hey, look, look these guys up. It's no, if you're uninformed, you need to know about these brands. And it just, I don't think it painstakes me, but I think it does somewhat rub me the wrong way to see them take this route. Respect for for whatever backstory that I don't know, whatever context <laughs> I I am not aware of, but there's something about these department stores that I think in general brands have always wanted to stay away from, but mm-hmm. for some reason it makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, like this is more of a win for Nordstrom. Not think really so? not really for Union. You yeah, think so? I think so. Really? I think it's a win for Union. Now, it's not a. I, I, when I said what I said, I don't think it's a win for the, the brands that Union is representing. Mm-hmm. But I think as a, as a brand that Union is and being like the Nordstrom of New York, the boutique Nordstrom of New York, it definitely creates that aura of tastemaker, right? Because if you're ta- if you're if if you walk into a brand or a store like uh like Union and you know them to be like the tastemakers of all brands, right? Mm-hmm. They give the opportunity to brands that aren't in retail stores that uh, they they host their first pop-ups, things of that nature. Like you walk into that store with a little bit more confidence in knowing that these brands were 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 vetted, were were selected with with care. Like you know that they put time and effort into and, and have a reason of why these brands why we should know about these brands. So if anything, I think and you said Union takes an L? Not an L, but I think Nordstrom just wins overall because the publicity is just positive on their end. If you think about it, this kind of waters down Union to an extent. Mm, elaborate on that, please. I like okay, how we're talking about Union and like how we praise them so high for being like very like very conscientious of who they they want to put on. At the same time, you know, they're popping. They're popping, but they're popping in both a positive and a negative aspect just because they're coming off a really strong collab with Jordan Brand. Yes. Um, so they're kind of like, their name is all over the resale market. So they're popping, but they're popping negatively because people are like, like, oh, like union automatically means like, I'm going to resell this for like a shit ton of money now. So that for me, like to see that I'm kind of worried. Um, and also like a lot of people in the game, like how you said earlier, you know, if they're an OG, they're going to not respect them as much because they're kind of quote unquote selling out for being in a big box. So I don't know. Like, I just think like the publicity is positive more on Nordstrom's side. Like, shout out to Union for still doing their thing and like keeping it like a hundred with what they want to do. Of course. But <clears throat> I guess like in the lens of people in our community, it might not be seen as positively as it is because people might be copying this for resale value and not because they're really fucking with all these brands as like 
different separate entities. Our community is judgmental. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, we're very judgmental, but I like I like the way you said that. How there's how there's two sides to it because obviously, where Union falls short in this situation is that they themselves, as an entity, as their store, is a mini Nordstrom, mm-hmm. right? That That is their business model. It's not, let's just sell union shit. Like it's, let's let us be a space, a, a location for other brands. So when you see them essentially invest into a larger space, larger brand, it's almost as if they're testing whether or not they can expand their store. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. I think they're 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 using this as an opportunity to say, look, we know we're tastemakers. We're gonna curate an, an entire space. That space was probably bigger than their store alone mm-hmm. of brands that we think you guys should know about. Could this be a ploy in essentially building out a larger union store, multiple union stores? You know, eventually union becomes the zoomies of streetwear, <laughs> right? That could be a possibility. You know what I mean? And that's all in testing the waters of, you know, we talked about this in the previous episode of investing and how this whole like stock exchange aspect is coming to the world of streetwear. So brands are seeing the opportunity of knowing that big box stores, big investor companies, big name brands are willing to invest money into the people that are cool, the tastemakers of our industry and union being, you know, one of the top ones. So why not take a risk on this brand who obviously is buzzing more than us, Nordstrom, and let's give them a space and see what they do with it. Let's see if we can continue that connection. You know, they have areas in, um, in stores that are essentially like exhibiting areas, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, experimental parts, you know, like J crew has what's called like the Ludlow shop. And in that area, they have like the, like uh, specific Nike releases, uh, Ebbets field and flannel collection, uh, Carhartt work in progress. And these are like brands that they've curated to be like, do we kind of see people, wear this in, in, in partnership with our clothing. Like maybe, maybe if we put together like a little boutique store within our store, Mm -hmm. you know, we also can capitalize off what people wear with our shit in general. So I think they see an opportunity there the same way that a J crew sees that with their own, uh, mini store. So I think these connections are a bit coincidental. Like it, it was meant to, it, it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see like what this could potentially turn into because it is its own phenomenon, you know, um, the way that people are investing in places like stadium good and Supreme in a monetary, in a monetary way. Let's see how people invest in some of these small boutique stores in like a retail space property way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost just as important as like me giving you a, a hand of cash or a hand of land. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is interesting. And I think to sort of cap that off and, and being able to talk about that for a full hour, I think it's uh, just something that we're going to have to wait around and see. Yeah. We've had this whole episode has been speculations, but I think um, you guys can form your own conspiracy theories about what this could potentially turn into. But I think that all started with a conversation of, do you think malls are going to survive? So that's interesting that we, <laughs> able, we were able to bring that all the way there. Um, 
I guess that's where we should end this episode. To be honest, I'm kind of kind of exhausted from just yeah. talking about that one topic. Um, I personally wasn't able to, to, to grab anything from the collection. I actually went to the union store online to see if there was anything available. Um, but I haven't bought anything from the, any online store in such a long time. Like even if they offer like $2 shipping, <laughs> I still am hesitant on being like, uh, I'm such an impulsive in store buyer especially like being able to yeah. touch it, try it on. But online, I'm, I'm always a little bit more hesitant. Um, shit, I guess, uh, I guess that's the episode. We appreciate you guys yeah. listening to t- today's episode. Uh, be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio on all social platforms. And go ahead and shout out your, your, your page too. If, only if you want people to follow you. It's, a, it's not an obligation. Go ahead. Um, you can follow me at What's Up Mel. You can find me on the No Chance Instagram. Um, DM me if you're from the podcast just so I know. <laughs> and then I'll look into your page. Because <laughs> I don't know who follows me. What's but yeah. up? W-A-S-S-U-P-M-E-L. All one word. Yep. And we will see you next week. Peace. Bye. Bye.